Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Rich as I heed not, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the Football Ramble. The hunt for Ollie's successor is afoot and Tony Hibbert's back. It's Tuesday, 23rd of November. I'm Marcus Speller. I'm Vidita Nandaraja. And I'm Lars Lee Hello, everybody. Lovely to have you with us on this terrific Tuesday. Lars Sivetson is here. Hello. Bruno Lars Sivetson, how are you? <laughs> Come on. I'm feeling pretty good. I'm yes. feeling pretty good. Last time I was in, my country had just had an, an uh-huh. abject, abject failure on the international stage. Yes. And, and, uh, <laughs> Eurovision, was it? Yeah. <laughs> hey! I don't, Hang don't on. do that. We never Hang do on. very well in Eurovision, do we? No British people can ever pull that. I thought since Brexit we'd be a shoe-in. But I know, yeah. So, yeah well. Winning hearts and minds. Yes, you're you're getting to Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, really, aren't yeah. you? Speaking, yeah, speak, <laughs> yeah. speaking of abject failure. Um, <laughs> oh, dear. Well, the, the, the chat of uh, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer's uh, uh, you know, replacement is is uh, underway, as I say. Um, and it's interesting, you know, the candidates that are being mentioned and, and so on and so forth. I mean, Lars, with, with, with Solskjaer going, obviously he did that little interview, the farewell interview. How has this all been received in Norway? Are people angry at the way their man has been treated? The initial response in Norway, just looking from the front pages of the sort of online newspapers on the Sunday... Mm. I really had to double check to just make sure he's not dead. 
Right. Because really, I mean, the coverage was sort of, it was like the Oligunas Oshas life in pictures and this sort of dignity. I mean, the PM had a word about like, you know, the Norwegian PM said something about, you know, taking charge of, a, of this bigger club is, a, is, a, is, a, is an achievement in itself. Which is like, hey, what? Mm. It was like, uh, it was very strange. There was a lot of coverage, obviously, yes. And it was it was generally speaking quite sympathetic to him for sure. Yeah, what was made of um, one of the things that was written on the tactics board in, in Oligana Solskjaer's office was apparently go and do your magic. Yes. Uh huh. So is it? I mean, with that stuff now, presumably not as prevalent at the Believe. club. Believe you wouldn't. You wouldn't have thought a new manager coming in would. How are they going to fill that sort of gap? What as in the as in the, the sort the of that playgroup assistant? Yes. Attitude mentality. Uh-huh. Yeah. 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 Uh, I'm not really sure, although last saying that the reaction in Norway was as if he had passed away made me think, would the Manchester United social media team conduct a, a seance on Twitter? I think they probably would. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, the the guys talked about it yesterday um, very well. I couldn't really disagree with anything they said. I suppose the in-house interview specifically, mm-hmm. um, if we talk about that for a moment, Please. I think it was very specifically for... United, Manchester United fans, for a specific group of Manchester United fans, for the same group who applauded him off after the defeat to Liverpool, mm-hmm. the same group who have fought his corner for a long time. I, I can totally understand why other fans and other people might find it a bit bleh, um, for whatever a word, where well, there wasn't one. Um, but it, it kind of it fits into basically what he was about as Manchester United manager. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, uh, Jim said yesterday that he was a bit of a glorified fan. I think it probably reinforced the fact that he loved it, loves the club so much. People say this about Dean Smith and Villa, though. Yes, I suppose he does, but Dean Smith didn't play for Aston Villa, did he? You know, mm. he didn't You know, take them to that high. Um, I also think it spoke of the reason why he was never going to be particularly good, because... I don't know, he's, he's he's just not ruthless enough. You know, Miguel, Miguel Delaney made this point, and Jack Brook as well made a, you know, a succession crossover, basically saying that, you know, he's not a killer. And to be, you know, mm. to be the one who takes over a bit after Sir Alex Ferguson, who wants to be inspired by Sir Alex Ferguson, you need to be a bit of a killer. And he was just a bit too soft. Yeah, I mean, the, some of the quotes in that interview, which obviously was was released the other day, so we don't want to go over it too much. You know, I've made great friends. I've reconnected with some great friends. New staff coming in. I've been really good friends with the other staff that were here uh, when I was there. We're good friends. I mean, it's, it's nice that the friendships remain, Lars. I, 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 I watched this, and it was one of those things where you're just like... I had to reattach my jaw after everyone. <laughs> just what has happened? Okay, let's just, stay, let's just step back, right? I, I, I don't know if you've been watching Man United mm. recently, but, I mean, the game against Liverpool... It wasn't bad. It was uncomfortable to watch. I mean, it was like watching a figure skater at the Olympics just falling over repeatedly in the final. <laughs> it was one of those things. It was so bad that you felt slightly icky watching it. Like, this isn't supposed to happen at this level. Germany, like, it really Brazil, was, Germany Brazil semi-final? It really was that level of bad. Mm-hmm. And and against Manchester City, it wasn't a lot, be- a lot better. Actually, you got the sense that it could, always, it could have gotten that bad if Man City were interested in making that bad, but they didn't have to. And then... Again, not much better against Watford. I mean, these are some of the worst performances we've seen, not, not just from Man United in the modern area, but go past the last two decades. Have any of the wealthy European sort of so-called super clubs ever looked that totally inept mm. uh, over a course of a couple of performances? I don't think so. So this is like historical levels of awfulness from Manchester United. Mm. And, and, and the guy has, has obviously been fired. And then he sat there talking to the in-house media... <laughs> 
talking about how he's reconnected with some great friends. Yeah, we might have done but, that. I, 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 am I taking crazy pills? Like, what's happening? Yeah. <laughs> this is nonsense. I thought, I just assumed this He's been what... paid millions to manage Lars, one of I... the most expensively assembled sure. football teams in human history. But Lars, They've I... They've looked inept at a level yes. that's rarely seen at Lars, this level or any I other level. I just assume that the, this... the real trophies were the friends we made along the way, Speller. <laughs> Lars, I just assume that uh, in Norway, what? when you get sacked from a job, you get some sort of... You know, you have the last word. I thought this was just standard practice there. I mean, not like that. <laughs> I mean, I, I, know, I know we... I mean, and, and again, watching this interview, is like, oh, the players, they're all top lads, you know, very grateful to them. The coaches, you know, he admires them. They're so good. Now everyone's doing great work. And it's like, have you watched your team recently? Yeah, well... Like, like what is happening? What it, it, like, is... You, you, watching that interview is like, everything must be really good at Man United. If you just watch that interview and you watch no games, and you're saying, how's the team? Oh, turns out their team is terrible. How is this possible? Mm. It, it did It did um, speak to me a bit like if you interviewed a child after the first time they'd been to Disneyland. Mm. I thought it was just wonderful, yeah. yeah. So many like, I've enjoyed it from the first minute to the last. Please... Tell us more <laughs> about the last couple of weeks and what you enjoyed about them. Okay, like, this, but this is the point, right? And you've already said it, right? When did this become what United was about? Like, because there's been so much talk when Ole Gunnar Solskjaer has been there about the United DNA and the heritage of the club and whatever. When we talk about United DNA, I have no idea what that means. Like, Sir Alex Ferguson was not wedded to any tactical concept. I mean, his great strength was always moving with the times. Uh, his great strength was being utterly ruthless with players we felt weren't good enough. Mm-hmm. You know, if if there was anything you can pin down, it's like, well, attacking with wingers? Every team in the world, right? Yeah, this exactly. is nonsense. The only thing, if you had pinned down anything that Sir Alex Ferguson stood for, it was being, never accepting anything that wasn't good enough, mm-hmm. you know, being totally ruthless and just winning is the only thing that mattered. And when you won, then winning the next season is the only thing that mattered, right? Mm-hmm. That is, if there, if there is any United DNA, that would be it. And I cannot think of anything that could possibly be further from the Man United DNA uh, than, than like just after being humiliated by Watford of all things mm-hmm. by the by the mighty uh, Craig Cathcart and Tom Cleverley to be sat there talking about oh, I've reconnected with some great friends it's been fantastic mm. like that is whatever the Man United DNA is whatever the heritage of Sir Alex Ferguson is that is as far away from it as you can humanly come. Yeah, so, which so, is weird, yeah. given that Solskjaer of all people should know this. Of course. Well, you, so you didn't appreciate the interview, then, chaps. I think it's fair <laughs> to say. So, what's next then for Manchester United, Vish? Because the, the the main candidates are seem to be Pochettino seems to be top of the list. Yeah. Okay. And then Brendan Rodgers is being, according to one or two publications, they've already made contact with Brendan Rodgers, but that would be. Um, potentially tricky and then uh, Zenedine Zidane who's clearly not going to go there yeah yeah. so what do you think then with regards to these candidates because to, for my money and for a lot of other people's money Pochettino is clearly the best candidate for the job yeah I'd say so too I, I think um, I would given the way that they've organised this with an interim mm-hmm. before a caretaker before well it, it speaks that they they're probably they were looking originally to make a more permanent appointment at the end of the season. Yeah. Just right off the season already, fine. Yeah. Um Well we are in November. I know, yeah. <laughs> Good lord. <laughs> Not even halfway. Well, you know, this Disneyland shouts over the winter, doesn't it? It does. To a point. Most amusement parks do. Um but the Yeah, so so I thought maybe Ten Hag would be Eric Ten Hag. Oh, another one, yeah, okay. Would be the one they're going for. I suppose the difference with Pochettino is that the noises seem to be that he'd be willing to move before the end of the season. I don't really understand that, given I know you know PSG is a bit of a basket case, and he's probably managing in a very different way than he would like. Yes, but you've got a proper shot at the Champions League. 
Well, and also, not guaranteed, but, you know, they are well ahead in league. Yeah, sure. And he has never won a league title. And I know people might think, yeah, but managers want to win trophies as also, well. Also, someone made the point yesterday that um, because he's got family, his family is still in London, he's That's finding right, yeah. it hard. Mm. I would take the Eurostar all, you know, every well, day say, a week ahead of a van team. The, the, the premier people, class of the yeah. Eurostar is not a bad way were, to spend it's good. The way people were talking about Paris and Manchester yeah. as if, like, Manchester's way closer to London, but I just wonder if you could actually do it to Paris I, I quicker. Think, yeah, that and is cheaper, probably. Probably faster, yeah. Yeah. It's absurd. If that's the problem, then I, I don't. I don't think I want a manager, mm. uh, a football club I support, who thinks like that. Who would rather rather take that trade rather than that trade? True enough. But Pochettino, I, I can imagine Pochettino, uh, and this is just me speculating, Go on. Um, wanting to get the hell out of PSG just because it's a nonsense of a club. But also, just You're saying that front three don't press the way. He yeah, wants it's them funny. To. <laughs> I don't know. Like he I'm... wants pressing. Come to United. Well, but this is the thing. Right? Okay, so I uh, watched a lot of Pochettino's uh, football teams since he came to England because I was covering a lot of Southampton games when he first came in there because they had a sort of Norwegian uh, player there who, who wasn't playing a lot, but oh. I was often sent to look at them in case he did. Uh, I like how you all look after each other. Yeah, 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 yeah. And, um, and uh, and I could just see week by week how he turned Southampton into this sort of lean, mean pressing machine. And you mm. had sort of like Ray Rodriguez and Ricky Lambert running around and it was all sort of very energetic. Mm. And of course he went to Tottenham and again that whole initial success was fueled by a group of players who were all on the young side uh, who were not superstars at that point and would all sort of just run through walls for him. And they were hungry, the, they were, were all just into pressing his and the, the way they hunted in packs was, you know, it was a sight to behold. And, and if you were... If Pochettino was to be completely honest about like what's the fundamental thing about mm -hmm. his view of football, it's, it's it's the high press, it's the running, it's the chasing, and you know, all this, and it's some sort like some sort of big cosmic joke. He's now been putting in charge of a team that has possibly the best front three ever assembled, but but a front three where like Messi doesn't do anything off the ball, Mbappe doesn't do anything off the ball. And like bizarrely, Neymar is the one who's like become the Dirk Kite character here, uh, which is not something. But no, in in fairness to Neymar, he has actually upped his work rate off the ball considerably in the last year because someone has to. Mm. But but like he's got instead of having three players who do the work, he has half a player who does the work, mm -hmm. and it, it clearly isn't working for him there. And now they're so far ahead quality wise, everyone else in Liga that they should win that. Mm -hmm. Uh, but you say he has a real shot at the Champions League. I don't think he does. I don't. That, I don't. That, that was a bit. sorry, Vish. I don't see how you do win the Champions League with, with that team. I mean, may, maybe they'll pummel Man City this week and make me look like a fool. Uh, but, but I don't see how that works. Mm. Yeah, fair enough. But I just think that if, given what he has at his disposal now, mm. not least the endless amounts of money, I'm surprised. Well, I'm not, I'm not surprised that he wouldn't go at the end of the season. I'm just surprised he would go now. Yeah, well, Why I wouldn't think, you try and play well, it the out? Chat is until, end of the season probably makes sense because because but but no, I, I don't. So I think the reason Pochettino has come to the fore now is that yeah. he'd be willing to move before the end of the season. Okay, and the thing that makes sense to me that's been suggested by some outlets is that there'll be some sort of switcheroo shuffle in which Zinedine Zidane goes to PSG yes, yeah, and yeah. Pochettino goes to United. Yes. And I have to say that makes a ton of sense. Mm -hmm. yeah. Like if there's anyone like in world football who you try to make some semblance of logic out of that PSG team, mm -hmm. might as well try Zidane. He has a good record of, of at Real Madrid of making these mm -hmm. sort of superstars mm -hmm. work together in a way that works. Whereas Pochettino much more of a record of working with younger, hungrier, you know, um, types. I can completely imagine Pochettino in charge of a Man United team that has like Rashford, Greenwood and Sancho and McTominay and all these dudes running around. I think that could be really good. Mm -hmm. You're still, you're still going to have the Ronaldo problem, but that is a problem you've bought yourself yeah. that you're not getting away from anytime soon. Well, the problems that Pochettino would perhaps encounter would be 
with with Pogba and Ronaldo, uh, really. And I mean, let's be honest, Pogba is it, probably leaving anyway. Exactly. Well, he's a bit like Solskjaer yeah. on the pitch. We say he's going to leave Manchester United soon enough, and so on and so forth. That is bound to happen. But with Ronaldo, I mean, I actually don't go in for for the whole thing of Ronaldo. It's you know, so many of Man United problems are because of Cristiano Ronaldo. I actually don't necessarily agree with that. And if he was that bad at fitting in a system and and having all this, Man City wouldn't have gone in for him either. He needs to be managed properly. And that yeah. is the battle of the egos, which they say, Lars, with Pochettino does uh, sometimes struggle with the egos at PSG. So that's the only bit of tension, really, I see if he so, went to Man United. I think it is possible to carry Cristiano Ronaldo. I think you can do that. I agree. But, but you have to make Largely. adjustments accordingly. Yes. Like you have to have a very clear structure on mm-hmm. the team. You have to accept, okay, you have a guy there who's not going to give you anything off the ball. So you need mm-hmm. people around him to run who run a lot more than they Which usually got- do. Well, they've got young players who feasibly could do it. They haven't been doing it, but Pochettino could probably whip them into shape. Yeah. Weirdly, exactly. I think I'm in the sort of strange minority of people who think Jesse Lingard should have played a lot more this season. Mm. Just because whatever you say about him, he gives you a ton of energy off the ball. Hey, and if you're to trying them. to compensate for Ronaldo being there, then that kind of makes I'm sense. I'm in the Jaylings fan club, mate. So I, I'm not saying like converted. Ronaldo... I don't fully support this. He is the. I, I just said you have the Ronaldo problem. I'd like to rephrase that. He is a challenge. Right? Yes, I agree. Mm. He gives you something unique. He is still mm-hmm. a unique predator in the box, uh, but but you still have this uh, thing that you need to compensate for what he doesn't mm. give you off the ball. Mm-hmm. And Solskjaer never looked close to getting his head around that. Maybe Pochettino could. Yeah, because because if if Zidane came in, it would be probably too much of the same. In that uh, tactically better, yes, but that sort of what do they call you know the player whisperer kind of thing. You need <laughs> you need to be able to if you need to if you want to be the player whisperer, then you need to do it for players who are like Neymar and Lionel Messi who can you know go and and and, and win you games sort of single handedly and so on. Yeah, so I don't to me, Zidane just it wouldn't. I don't think that would be a great fit. Mm. Yeah, I I don't know what he's going to whisper in Fred's ear. <laughs> Does that <laughs> just stop and it. also like stop who it. are you? And if they wanted a player whisperer, who knows the club? Yeah, Phil Neville. No, don't. Uh, okay. Uh, <laughs> also that. Like, yeah, again, if Zidane, Zidane's great forte is that he's a player whisperer, yeah. it isn't ideal that he doesn't speak English. No, exactly. Like, that is like he'd be whispering <laughs> what? in the what? Low, wrong language. I t- what I love about like, Zidane. Harry is Could whisper- it be any worse, though? If they got instructions in a different language... <laughs> but Zidane, has the vibe, Zidane has the vibe of a man, <laughs> yeah. and I love this Maybe. about him, of at no point do I ever want to speak English. You know, so yeah, I think yeah. I think the PSG job or the France job makes sense for him. Another crack at Real Madrid. Zidane sort of whispering things in French <laughs> into Harry Maguire's ear, and Harry, like, what? Yeah, he would. He, 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 I'm confused and aroused. <laughs> <laughs> what about Brendan Rodgers, though, Vish? Okay. Um, yeah. I I I think it's I think low from, hanging fruit. I don't yeah, think it's, but you know what? Sometimes the low hanging fruit is the tastiest. Exactly. Yeah. It's, it's I, very sweet and ripe. I prefer a mature banana, for example. But, yeah. But, but this, yeah. I, I Good for banana bread. It, uh, I, it, it is. Um, I don't think Brendan Rodgers is a ridiculous shout. I think it would be a shame, well, for Leicester's sake and the neutral sake, if he was if he was to uh, to be poached. I think if you look at the way Leicester are going now, I think of all the managers who have been touted for this job, or you know who you reeled off at the start. Aside from Steve Bruce, I think Rogers wants this the most because I think there is a sense that Leicester City that they can't quite put their finger on why things are going mm-hmm. on at the moment, and I know they've been through periods like this before with with Rogers. Mm-hmm. But I think there's a sense now that he, this might be a rut he can't quite get out of. 
And so for that very reason, I think he he would absolutely jump at the chance of the job. Bear in mind, I suppose... The but it's reason... only been a few months. He won the FA Cup last season. Yeah, yeah sure. Like... But, but if you look at how they're performing now, that there's, mm-hmm. there's something something is up. Yeah, no... as it was with Pochettino and Spurs. And look at their regret for getting rid of him. Yeah, yeah, f- fine, fine. But I'm, thinking, I'm saying from Rodgers' point of view, I think he's got two options here. He can either try and fix it, which is obviously what he's trying to do now. But also, out of the corner of his eye, I think I'm going to gun for that job bear in mind the reason he took the Leicester job was mm-hmm. to build up his mm-hmm. cachet after he lost a bit with the Liverpool job mm-hmm. and to become that top tier manager and he's yeah. done wonderful things at Leicester City mm-hmm. but I, I think I think he, he would obviously want this very much I don't think he'd be the right fit for Manchester United personally okay so so speaking on behalf of every single Manchester United fan on the planet Vish <laughs> who would you like to see uh, in the hot seat at Old Trafford You've got to give it to someone who knows the club. You've got to give it to Michael Carrick, haven't you? Yeah, um, no, no, no. They have done that. So that's it. Right, okay. Carrick's in the bag. Yeah, All right. Got, that's it. <laughs> give it Big Ron. Big Ron knows the club. <laughs> no, um, okay. To give, to give you a proper answer, I would say my personal first choice. Brucey interim until the summer. Give it Brucey until the end of the season. If they did that, imagine. Steve Bruce is apparently very keen to take the role. And of course he is. <laughs> and, and Sorry, of course and, he is. Well, let why me would, finish. Why let wouldn't me finish. He be? And believes he could stabilise the dressing room. Imagine um, Having that. had so much success stabilising dressing rooms up and down the country. But, but all the bollocks aside, who would you like to see the next Manchester United manager? It's like two... Oh, Answer the question. Two, two Answer the question. slobbering dogs of Mike Ashley and the Glazers passing around the same chew toy. Get on with it. Answer Pathetic. the question. Um, I would say my first choice would be Pochettino and mm. Ten Hag very closely in second. Yeah. I think if, if, you've, if, you're, if you're looking for what they're looking for, mm-hmm. you're going for those two. And if you're veering beyond that and going for other people who mentioned on the list, then it speaks of the issue with the Glazers and Edward Wood being the man who's looking for a manager despite the fact that he won't be here mm-hmm. at the end of the year, of that kind of cluttered, totally disjointed upper management, which is part of the reason why we're ta- mm-hmm. having this conversation in the first place. I have to say, I think, I think it's... I think it's um... it's all prime for Pochettino because I think you have the squad there that could play his style. Yeah, yeah. we've talked about the Ronaldo challenge, challenge, but but he improves players and say players, say like a Scott McTominay, for example, you would imagine he would improve. Look at Harry Winks under Pochettino. Yeah. Um, You know, got a real good tune out of Winks. Since Pochettino, he not really played that much and I know people might think, well, they would still need to sign a few players. Yeah, of course as well. But Pochettino knows how to to improve a squad without spending too much money. No, I agree. And the thing I'd say about Ten Hag, and this is possibly very unfair of me, but and also like clearly he's done an amazing job at Ajax uh, and, and and put together some great Ajax as did there. Frank de Boer this is the thing so I always wonder with these sort of Ajax guys when they're kind of mm. released into the wild and have to fend for themselves I agree it's, it's kind of like um, yeah. we talk about the United way like yeah. Ajax is one of those clubs where there genuinely is a DNA yeah. in the sense that when players come through the academy there's a certain set of footballing principles that have been drilled into them from they were children basically the same at Barcelona mm. so when you're coaching Ajax which has been taken from Ajax yeah, well, yeah, so, yeah exactly so when you're coaching Ajax and you get youth players coming through right, okay. you, you know that there are certain aspects of your system that they mm. will instantly Get you don't have to almost. Well, of course, you have to coach them, but you can put them into certain roles. In You're the putting team. round round pegs in round yeah, holes, and they yeah. know exactly yeah. some of the principles of mm-hmm. a play. Mm-hmm. Now, as if if you sort of sort of airlift him zoop, out of that and sort of bump, drops drop him into Manchester United, you have an entire squad of people yep. who know yep. none of these things, yep. and you have to sort of teach them how to. Well, Donny Van Der Beek might. Well, exactly right. Get daily. He's shit. He's shit. Get daily. Tell you what, Donny Van Der Beek wants Eric yeah, Ten Hag exactly. But that's what I'm saying. I'm not saying he could couldn't do it because there's no way of knowing that. I'm just saying we shouldn't underestimate how challenging that would be for him. 
Yeah, I, I, okay. I totally get that point. Is there a way that we could engineer it so there's a bit of crossover on the DNA? Could we crossbreed a manager <laughs> who has both Ajax and Manchester United? I think DNA? you're thinking about um, things that... like the fly. It wasn't the fly, didn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Can we get him in a portal? <laughs> no, no, it, it didn't work with the fly. He, I mean, he was angry, uh, yeah, but it, it, was a bit, it, it ended. Fucking I mean, I don't want to. Wasn't it? Know, he? Spoiler alert! Uh, it, <laughs> it didn't, didn't end it didn't well. End well. <laughs> 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 no crossbreeding. Absolutely no crossbreeding. <laughs> get, Pochett- get Pochettino in, and uh, and and we'll leave it at that. Right, everybody, let's have a quick break. <laughs> I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. I see it a different uh, the way I see it, and I stand by that, and I'm very comfortable and confident in saying what I have to say. Who would you bring in? I don't know. <laughs> I mean, Rio Ferdinand on his credentials uh, for being sporting director at Manchester. Listen, he United. has the Man United DNA. Yeah. I, whatever that is. Yeah, exactly right. Whatever that is. Yeah. All right, it's time for emails. It's a very long jingle. It's not too, but it's not the longest one we've had. No, of course not. Um, we have a really good email from Scott. I am, I am excited about this. Uh, Scott writes, While discussing the possible replacement for Olga Nassauter at the Man United wheel, crucial, not just yeah, at the wheel, whoever you need a good helmsman, we, we think... <laughs> 
<laughs> we have come up with. No, listen, Scott, I appreciate. He means him. in charge. He doesn't mean he's I'm, a hamster. I'm just saying. Well, um, <laughs> we think we've come up with the perfect solution. Ah. I, th- I think you have too. Why have one replacement when you can have a rotating cast of guest managers between now and the end of the season? Yeah, yeah. Throw in the concept of the masked singer, and I think we have a winner. Who is playing a five-four-one formation while sitting in a gravy boat? Roy Keane thinks it's Stevie Bruce, but could it be Big Sam? I mean, this is this is tremendous. Besides the endless entertaining for us neutrals, the Glazers will be delighted by the extra revenue stream by introducing the premium line to cast votes. The players will never be able to lose faith in the manager and the fans can get an endless blast of nostalgia whenever one of the managers is revealed to be a Man United legend. I like what do you think that. I, yeah. think, I think it should just include X-Man United. I like the idea of just having a masked manager. No one knows who it is. Mm. Uh, that would be really interesting. Though I do think, it wouldn't have worked out well for Solskjaer. I think he would have been out of a job much sooner. Uh, <laughs> yeah. That was the situation with him. If they didn't know that he was sort of the the, 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 the red apprentice. Yeah, you'd have to have more than a mask though because um, I think we'd be able to spot Steve Bruce. It'd have to be a whole outfit kind of yeah. thing. But then I suppose the masked singer is yeah. a whole outfit. It isn't just a mask. Def- yeah. Just the exact masks outfits from the the mass singer is what you need on the sideline there. Yeah, it kind of, because then... It's William Prunier. <laughs> but like post-match interviews, they wouldn't get the criticism. But then then people would be like, I haven't, I haven't seen uh, I mean, this is really Keen doing Sky Sports. This is really football. starting to sound like the bad guys from Squid Games. Don't give away things. No, he's like, they don't give away <laughs> anything. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Just watch it. Good. If it was Keno inside that costume, mm. it would be very strange to have someone in that costume be that angry. That's true. I feel like that... But we'd never know. That's true. We would never know. Fish, you have the second email before well, we, we get we, too ridiculous. We would when he starts beating before up the other mascot. Yeah. Please. Uh, an email from Matt. So yesterday, my father-in-law, a long-suffering Bolton fan, told me his best mate found a MacBook while out walking his dog that morning. Oh. While a nice find, in itself, it isn't much of a story. However, when it was opened, the lock screen was for a certain Ian Evert. The Bolton Wanderers manager. Blimey. His picture is just a cartoon football. <laughs> the club came to collect it and gave gave a couple of tickets to tonight's game against Doncaster. How much of a reward that is, I'll never know, as it sounds more like a punishment to me. <laughs> the big question is, though, why was Ian Everett taking his laptop for a walk? Bizarre. <laughs> Okay. No, you don't, you don't have to make it dirty. I'm not making it dirty. <laughs> yeah, you, you were making it a little bit dirty. I, I didn't even think of that. No, no you I did. That's, that's, no, I, I never thought I know that, that, I know that little noise. I know that little noise. Stop projecting on and other people. No, I would say they can't be dirty because he would have stayed somewhere where he had Wi-Fi and he wouldn't have got it in a park. Oh, so, okay. Yeah. I'm glad you've mapped that out for Just anybody. Unless he was tethering to his phone. Wouldn't recommend that. <laughs> Maybe he had a dongle. Yeah, oh, well. I don't think there's any doubt about that. Um, <laughs> so there we are. Why was he? Ta- if you also, know- like how I I think that's grounds to be sacked as a manager for someone who needs to be down on attention to detail. You just can't leave your laptop in a park. Government ministers have done a lot worse and have not been sacked. Fair you enough. You can say that about anything. <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> very true. Well, if you know why um, Ian Everett was taking his laptop for a walk, then then uh, show up at Ramble.com. <laughs> Gentlemen, uh, next news story is Gareth Southgate signing a new England deal. This takes him to December 2024. Interesting time. Have they got a bit confused with the World Cup in Qatar and they think, well, what to do to December 2024? But either or. So in my, in my sort of uh, dedication to being a team player, I completely poo-pooed this in the... <laughs> 
pre-show <laughs> meeting and went, "Is this really news?" Mm. It is news. I guess. Yeah, it is a it is a piece of information that has <laughs> happened. I just kind of think it's still. Listen, if he does well, he'll stay in the job. If yeah. he doesn't do well, he'll get sacked. And whether he's signed a contract this week or not doesn't massively change that. So it's it's dog bites man, is what you're saying. Well, it does change it because if he does well at the World Cup, then then you know he will definitely stay on. Whereas mm. we thought he might finish after um, Qatar. No, oh, fair enough, fair enough. I no, mean, that's a fair point. Vish, we are big fans of Gareth Southgate. I've no doubt Lars is in in his own way. Um, but this is this is expected news, but it's good news. Yeah, I suppose what they were waiting for the qualifiers to be over and done with, um, just to, to not distract. But I mean, I don't really know. Like, yeah, this was. I, I agree with Lars to an extent because we we spoke about this about a month ago, didn't we? And we were like, we were basically talking about why he would get an extension and what yeah. needs to be done, not just to extend his stay, but also mm-hmm. put into practice or rather, you know, put framework around all the things he's brought in and make them permanent, even beyond his reign. So. Thinking of, thinking about it though, December twenty twenty four. So what? That's another three years now. That's probably the right time for him to leave slash breed another successor. Not breed another successor. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, I'm really, I'm really, I'm uh, really gonna go straight home yeah. to watch the fly. <laughs> <laughs> Who would you crossbreed for the perfect England manager? I've, Bearing I, in mind that Alf Ramsey's dead. Um, <laughs> I, uh, Southgate. But and no, but we talked about it before. We talked about it before. With, um, as with the Manchester United team, we could do a little seance. We could yeah, get yeah, Ramsey yeah, back. Yeah, we could yeah, find could out what his that. values are. Put them in someone else. Mm-hmm. Then put them in the little transporter thing, and then have a half Southgate, half ghost of Alf Ramsey hybrid. What was the, yeah. yeah, maybe. But with Southgate though, he did say that uh, he might want to go back into management, club management. I don't think he'd be very good at that. Yeah, well, he said that it talked about unfinished business because he said at Middlesbrough, people think of him just being relegated as Middlesbrough manager and so on. It it was a long time ago now, Lars. I think he would need, um, from what I can tell, which is always the usual caveats that we're on the outside and blah, blah, blah. Of course, yeah. It seems to me that he could probably do with if he went into club management a very strong number two who's very sort of has maybe a, a tactical savvy that he seems to be a good sort of vibes man, uh, Gareth Southgate. Like mm. he's done it, and this, and I don't mean this to be backhanded in any way. This is probably the most important part of international management yeah. is fostering a good spirit in the camp and making sure you have a group of players who get on and like each other, and uh, and and that can take you really far. Just look at uh, France at the World Cup compared to France at the Euros. Like mm. uh, the players getting on and having a good time Wales 2016 is super super important and he's done a great job there and he continues to set the tone Mm -hmm. very well for that team but of course the criticism of him is that there have been certain moments where there have been a need to make tactical adjustments uh, where that hasn't happened Uh, well in particular games though yes I, I, I definitely yeah, the important ones. Yes. Well, Germany in the second round was an important game. You know. No, but it's more sort of in-game, sort of towards okay. against Italy when the game was when the, the flow of the game was really yeah, changing so in the pati- and nothing. In the, yeah. Sure, sure, sure. And, and I think there's there's a bit of that. And of course, there are things you can squabble about. Like there, there are loads of times he's picked lineups where you're like. Like, they're on Sky now so they can before like his uh, reluctance to put faith in Jaden Sancho or Jude Bellingham was like did you just not have BT is this your problem <laughs> uh, but, but they're on Sky now the Bundesliga so that should be okay but, but, but this is the thing quite aside from squabbles you might have over lineups and whatever I, I think he's done more than enough to, to justify his position and I think he's done a great job setting the right tone uh, if he was to go into club management maybe maybe a strong number two would be a good thing like Steve Holland 
Yeah, well, just take everyone back. Do you think he'll be able to take the swimming pool unicorns with him as well? And, 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 and the squad. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but an England club side, that would that's be something cheating. I could get behind. Yeah, I would, mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, the um, the interesting thing, I, I remember speaking to a few players that he coached at, um, at Middlesbrough, and one of the things they said of him, certainly how he was at the time, was that he was quite... He, he didn't like confrontation at all. And so that would work two ways. He would... You know, not really reprimand players for poor mm-hmm. performance, but also he was really bad at dropping players. Mm-hmm. He he would just tell them at the last moment. He yeah. would give them and you know be quite uh, mealy mouthed with his I reasons mean, and stuff like that. Sure. So so how, when was uh, he Middlesbrough? Was it twelve years ago? Or something? Yeah, no. So, so so this is what I'm saying. Yeah. So I think the thing he has shown himself over you know as England manager is mm-hmm. that he's, he's quite strong. He's not afraid to mm. you know a, you know a pro, well I, I suppose. Um, confront some issues which don't pertain to football but he's not been afraid to front up and, and talk about those serious matters and evidently if you look at the way for example he's dealt with Mason Greenwood and talking to his family about the situation there the way that he's he dropped quite unquote dropped rested Jude Bellingham from the squad and and I suppose how broader he's thinking about players beyond the well the people beyond the players but also what the players need themselves yeah, perhaps more equipped than ever to be, you know, a solid club manager. Yeah. yeah. Where do you think he would go? I think he'd be, I, I wouldn't be surprised if he ends up as the fifth manager from now at Newcastle. <laughs> no, don't, I don't think so. No, I, don't, I don't know where he would go. But... It'd be quite nice to see like the corruption of, of quite a beautiful heart. Fulham. Fulham. Back where Ooh. they belong, challenging for Europa yes. League spots in the Premier League. I like League. that. I yeah, like it. he could like do, do what lovely, Hodgson... lovely walk to the ground, isn't it? Yeah, Once it is, again, isn't it just <laughs> what a lovely walk to the ground. It is a lovely walk to the ground. Yeah, it is, yeah. He Why did, are you enjoy doing it? that? He's a big walker, right? Um, could do what Roy Hodgson didn't do, as he did with England, and win the Europa League for yeah. Fulham. So there we are. That's that sorted. Um, you mentioned Lars, obviously, as, as as we all still do. That was England lost to to Italy in the Euro twenty twenty final, and Italy struggling a little bit with old uh, Chiro Immobile among their ranks. Um, and that's my excellent segue into the next bit because <laughs> um, Immobile uh, refereed a charity match at the weekend between Lazio employees and a team from the Vatican. How about that? Did you see this? What a link! It finished 7-7. I feel like the link is a bigger story than the story here. <laughs> <laughs> finished 7-0, he awarded two penalties. He does love a pen, doesn't he? He was the, ref- the, he was, um, uh, the referee at the Pope's personal request. Oh, that's, good. that's, that's, that's something. I'd, I'd be quite pleased, you know what I mean? Did what? the Pope just say, there's only man man we can, we can ref this game. Think about it, Lars. <laughs> it's cheery mobile. If, if the Pope wanted to know yeah. a bit more about, I don't know, like Norwegian Presumably football. the Pope could get most people to ref Lars, the charity game. Lars, if the Pope game. wanted to know more about Norwegian football mm. when he personally asked for you, you'd feel a bit touched by that, wouldn't you? Yeah. Right. Also, Jan Ogifjordov would be furious. He would be furious. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. What a blast from the past, Jan Ogifjordov. Although, blast from the present, though, of course, in, in, in Norway. Speaking of blast from the past, Tony Hibbert has come out of retirement to play for ES Lugy. Uh, I think that's pronounced in the French 10th tier. The 10th tier. So he's no longer a one-club man. No longer. Football is broken then. Well, I think if it's in the French What a disgrace. What a disgrace Tony (laughs) Hibbert is. (laughs) Yeah, it is a bit disrespectful to Everton considering he played 328 times for them across a 15-year span. Um, And he was the only man who had been there longer than David Moyes when David Moyes left. 40 years old. Um, is, uh, is is Tony Hibbert. So um, what about that? I mean, is he, is he equipped to play in the French 10th tier? Where, where How would we play? know? 
not. You're the European <laughs> one. to God, Speller. I have no, no idea what you're You do that show on a Thursday. Yeah, you tell true, us. That's true. That's true. I mean, yeah. I have to say, the physical state of Tony Hibbert has uh, not really come up yet on the trans. On the, yeah. Oh, we know um, everything. Oh, David Carlage and Andy Brassel. Uh, wow. Anyway, yeah. see? Back to the question, though. Is he equipped for the French tent? I, I, I have no idea. Okay. <laughs> if Lars doesn't know, how am I going to know? Yeah, I don't yeah. know. Look out for the subtleties. What's the area? Like of the of that France loosely, yeah. No, I don't France. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear, you've never felt so disrespected in all your life on this show. I know France for crying out. Do you, was there some mention of fishing? Yeah, he's big into fishing. He bought a carp fishery near mm-hmm. Rim in 2013. Brilliant stuff. Yeah, I I just think that's great because like if you were an ex footballer and had all the money that came with that career. Mm. Why wouldn't you buy a fishery if you were well into fishing? Oh, you struck me as a man who knows his way around a rod. Um, <laughs> what, what, hey, are you into fishing? I, I was when I lived back in Norway. I I've knew never, you would be. I could never get on board with it in England because uh-huh. it's... Mm-hmm. I think I grew up right next to quite a good trout lake, uh-huh. and trout, so yeah. I've been quite spoiled, really. Uh-huh. Uh, so the, the carp fishing, I could never really get into. Okay, fair enough. What about fly fishing? Uh, I'm I'm not very competent. I, I can do it. I'm not very good. Okay. The Kevin Keegan of uh, Norwegian. <laughs> <laughs> is it a bit like golf? Is it the kind of thing you do with like a few mates and it lasts a bit a long time and it's not really about the end product or? No, I'm fly, I'm fly, or you're a proper hunter gatherer. Yeah, you want to um, eat what you catch. I, I definitely speaking. have a thing where, again, one of the reasons carp fishing doesn't appeal to me is that I have this sort of basic like if I can't eat what I catch, it's just a bit. Of a waste of time, yeah, isn't it? Fair mm. I had a boat when I was young. Did you? Yeah, because they had a when I was I don't know how old I was. It's like fourteen or something, fifteen maybe. Like your own boat, like yeah, because I they had a fishing contest in the lake <laughs> uh, that I'd been fishing in since I could walk, mm-hmm. and uh, I, I went out uh, on my Home bike. advantage. Uh, and I, yeah, exactly right, and and I, I won the comp- competition, and the prize was a boat. Wow. So I sort of how, so how do you win a fishing competition? Is, is, is it, it, was many... lo- it was the biggest fish. Oh, just the biggest fish. Yeah, I thought it'd be like the most fish in an was, hour. No, no, no. It was the big, and I thought I'd done terribly because I only caught one, and it wasn't actually that big. It was just really bad conditions on the day. Mm. So I came into the weighing in area. I thought I've messed this up. You know, I was all, really confident coming. They'd all out. caught minnows. Yeah. So my my sort of very modest trout, which was like a trout, less than less than a pound, like not oh. a big fish at all, uh, and uh, it won me a boat. Have you ever caught a pike? No, because they're not really native to the west of Norway. They're in the east, and I haven't done a lot of fishing in the east. Okay, a bit more of a trickier one, pikes in uh, Norway. Are they? Well, according to you, it's just a home track bully. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right, gentlemen. Uh, tonight's Champions League, of course, Villarreal against um, Michael Carrick's Manchester United. It'll be an interesting one there. Uh, Chelsea hosting Juventus. Classic Champions League action, Vish from the bridge. You looking forward to that one? I am, yeah, yeah. It's quite nice that the um, the staggered, aren't they? Because United mm. are playing at five forty-five, and then uh, yeah, proper proper starter dinner. Mm-hmm. Yes. So I asked you about Chelsea versus Juventus. We <laughs> talked about kickoff times. Okay. Um, <laughs> elsewhere, Bayern are at Dynamo Kiev and are missing a number of players, including including Serge Gnabry and Jamal Musiala, um, because they're quarantining after coming into contact with someone who has got COVID yes. at the club, and they're unvaccinated. The, the Novax Five, uh, as uh, <laughs> they should be called. Yeah, Serge Nabry, Jamal Musiala, Eric, uh, Maxim Trupomoting, Josh Kimmich, and uh, Michael Krusans. Uh, I, uh The issue here, I think from Bayern's point of view, is that if they had just gotten the vaccine, they wouldn't have had to quarantine. Mm. So you're losing players for 10 days just because they've decided not to get vaccinated, right. and they don't even have COVID. It's just because of quarantine. Yeah. So Bayern are... Um, 
are docking them pay. They're not paying them for, for this period, mm. uh, which uh, the players are said to be not massively keen on. I'm sure. So uh, FC Hollywood there very much. Uh, <laughs> always something uh, going on. And I think it's just a great example. I think this one, great example is the wrong phrase, but it's an example of how it is an individual choice whether you get the vaccine. Mm. Nope. But it also your employer's choice how they mm-hmm. how they relate to that because um, in, in this case you know freedom of choice doesn't mean freedom from the consequences of that choice mm-hmm. and in this case they're they're out of the picture whereas they shouldn't be yeah well that uh, potentially gives Dynamo Kiev a little bit more of a chance um, a fixture that I'm quite interested in Barcelona playing Benfica yes. again classic Champions League stuff Pedri was awarded the Golden Boy Award uh, by FIFA uh, recently but Xavi's the man in charge he is um, the, the Oligana Solskjaer of Barcelona his first game at the weekend <laughs> necessarily mean. Um, they won uh, he's, made, he's reconnected with some great <laughs> friends already like he's getting stuck in yeah they, they, they won against uh, their local rivals Espanyol mm-hmm. uh, obviously it was uh, Memphis Dubai who got the winner who just he just Loves life at the moment. He just whoever's a manager, he keeps scoring. Uh, um, but Lars, you, you watched this game. I did. Uh, it was really interesting. And you watched it with a former Barcelona B player. Yeah, and the, the great Andrea Orlandi, who's a pundit with La Liga TV. Mm. I, I watched it with him at the, the weekend, and that, it was very interesting. Uh, and, and the point he made, uh, which was you know something I I think even with my limited football brain, I could have observed. But you could see there were passages of this mm. game where you could already see. Uh, Xavi trying to bring back some of the patterns that we remembered from the sort of Guardiola era. There was one chance in particular that I remember where you saw sort of uh, you saw Alaba come on the Alaba. That would have been very strange. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Alaba, Alaba, why are you playing for Barcelona, man? It's the wrong club. Uh, Jordi Alaba came on the overlap down the left, and sort of Busquets chipped it over into him, and Alaba played the cut back into the area. It looked like it was kind of looked like a Pep Guardiola's Barcelona tribute band ah. uh, occasionally. Uh, they weren't good. Uh, for all the game I mean there were some periods where the energy dropped but I thought it was very interesting that uh, Xavi started uh, young Ilias on the wing and and, and brought on uh, Abde as well uh, rather than immediately like uh, shoving Coutinho back into the lineup and uh, and then trying to get something out of him I think he was kind of sending a message that uh, as much as Coutinho is like a, a reclamation project he's someone they're going to try to try to fix mm-hmm. um, footballers under the hammer style just kind of yeah. like, just go to Newcastle yeah. you know um, just go there even if he's on a big contract and all of that he's still going to play he might still play kids ahead of you <laughs> if uh, if that's uh, what the situation requires and he's going to give chances to these young players um, and um, listen Barcelona very much not out of the woods but I think it's certainly interesting to follow uh, how they do going forward yeah no I agree and I, I think you know even in their first game you say there were patterns of play it's quite impressive that he's managed to, to sort of yeah. get that going were they, were, they, were, they, were they patterns of play but were they as quick as they were before Is it, would it be a bit like watching the Rolling Stones now <laughs> yeah but it's still good watching the Rolling Stones now I appreciate it's not what it was no but you meet them more than halfway don't you Mm, Busquets is a great example of this, I guess. Uh, uh, The jagger of the operation. Still, with you, still worry. I mean, any time Espanyol attacked, and I thought they did well during the game. They were unlucky not to get anything. Espanyol. Every time they attacked and put balls into the box, you were like, "Mm, "This defense is (laughs) iffy." Uh, So they need to they need to work on some things. Mm. Well, we look forward to that uh, nonetheless. Um, So there we are. Oh, before we go, remember a brand new episode of our new women's football show up front is out today on Football Ramble Presents. Flo, Rachel and Chloe are discussing Scott Booth sacking at Birmingham, Manchester United's form and the Ballon d'Or nominations. Get over to Football Ramble Presents for that. 
There we are. We've reached the end of the show. Thank you very much for listening to today's Football Ramble, part of the Acast Creator Network. On tomorrow's show, Pete, Andy and Vish is back, baby. So get your ears around that. But until then, thank you very much for Tushin. Thank you. Thank you very much, Lars. Thank you for having me, sir. Thank you very much, ladies and gentlemen. See you soon. I'm just right. going to make sure I look vaguely presentable. You look the answer, sexy. of course, is always no. You look incredibly shaggable, mm-hmm. according That's to because you have a particular fetish. That's Vish, you've trimmed your beard nicely. No, I haven't actually. Yes, you I, fucking have. I, I, like I haven't trimmed it. That's why you I'm look handsome. Do... I have to say. Mm-hmm. Right then, Lars is already my favourite. The football ramble is a stack production and part of the Acast Creator Network. 